Hallelujah. Wow, 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 wow. God is a good God. Amen. Good. I have about a four-hour message, so here we go. I'm just kidding. Um, we're continuing on. My voice has got a little hoarse just for praying for everybody. It's, uh, <clears throat> it's awesome. I love it. When I'm out traveling tons, I preach a lot, and I haven't been traveling so much, and so when I get all excited, I, my voice gets weaker all of a sudden. I'm like, no, no. Usually, uh, many times, I'll preach uh, anywhere from three to uh, sometimes in, in places like Russia, uh, 15, 14 times on a weekend, and so it's a lot of, a lot of speaking. Um, we've been talking about, actually, you know what, before we go there, um, just a couple things I wrote down. Nancy was singing when we were singing, He's Made a Way, God's Made a Way, and uh, I, obviously we fully agree it's 100% biblical, but I felt like a, a thought came into my mind, but so many times we try to make our own way. So we sing, God's made a way for us, He's a way maker, right? But why is, why, why is it so many times we try to make our own way? The word the Lord had given me on our way into, in here uh, to the service, Sharon and I uh, were praying, and uh, I felt like, and I've mentioned it to the band, sometimes silence is the loudest and most powerful voice. We need to have the wisdom to know when to be silent. We need to have the wisdom to know when to be loud. It's interesting because many times God's voice is like a whispering voice, but yet it has the power, the loudness of thunders and lightnings, but yet it's a whispering voice. The gentle voice can have great power and authority if the attitude of the heart is correct. And many times when we speak to somebody or whatnot, it's the attitude of our heart that actually has the authority or doesn't have the authority. It's like a mother when they truly love their child and they, they speak to them and say, you know, don't, don't do that because it's dangerous. It's not because the mother wants her way. The mother loves the child so much that she's speaking not just with words but with a heart attitude of authority. It's like the father and the wayward son. His love for his son was so drastically large and huge that he didn't scream at his son but he actually stood on the hilltop, probably praying, interceding, but I bet rejoicing for the time of the returning, his returning son. I bet the father was already thanking the Lord for his son returning before his son had decided to return. You see, we, we have power and authority in the heart, and we need to make sure that it's not authority through our words unless it's the Word of God. So many times we try to win a battle with words, but many battles are won by no words, by heart and by attitude. Does that make sense to anybody here? I also want to just pray for the people that are watching. Father, let that healing anointing touch them. Anybody who needs a miracle who's watching this right now, let them receive a supernatural encounter of your presence. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, as Chuck was singing Yeshua, I mentioned to you earlier, I saw thousands of flames. Um, they were flaming fires. I, I also, I knew that that was an angelic realm, 
But at the same time, I saw where they were walking and the people they were connecting with. I saw the people becoming flaming fires as well. And so the purpose of a supernatural realm around us is not so we sit and we go, oh, wow, and googly. That's awesome. That's a sign that will make you wonder. You know, you get a word of knowledge, a miracle happens. We go, wow. You know, it's a sign that makes you wonder. That's why they're called signs and wonders. They weren't called signs and understanding. They're signs and wonders. And the worst thing we can do is try to figure out the wonder. Because when we figure out the wonder, we've now put the sign into the capacity of the box of our mind. When we try to figure out the wonder, we take the sign and we, we shrink it into our own understanding. So vitally important. I talk to many, many people will ask me and talk to me about different signs and wonders that happen supernaturally. Some I've seen clearly, like signs that are like, why would that happen? Why would God do that? But I'm telling you to encourage you that many times what God does, you and I do not have to understand. If he, if he had to get your permission of understanding, then he's not God. Chris, uh, my son-in-law, he said, a time spent, it's a time on our knees, and he is exactly right. I believe that we should be in prayer more than we ever have before. But at the same time, what the Lord showed me is that your knees are not your lifestyle. Two reasons of going on your knees in biblical scripture. One is submission, that you've lost a war. And the king will bow to the, the, the king that just won. Two, that when you come to get your orders from the king, you submit onto your knees. You listen to the order, then you get up off your knees and you go do it. A lot of people find a lifestyle on their knees. No, we have need to have a lifestyle of prayer, but we're supposed to receive to go do. Does that make sense? So when we spend time on our knees, you spend time on your knees, but I wouldn't get off your knees until you know you receive the order. But as soon as you receive the order, then go do it. Okay, okay. Keys to living a victorious lifestyle. Our first key, I was at four Sundays ago that I preached, we must refuse to live with regrets. Don't live with regrets. Get rid of the regrets. You can't change a regret but you can change the atmosphere that you choose to live in today if you let go of the regrets. Key number two was the importance of fellowshipping with genuine believers on a regular basis. That's why it's so important that we still gather together as family. And it, it's very hard because um, we're watching all the, you know, now in your house in BC, you can only have six people other than, you know, your immediate family. And that's tough. That's super tough. And so our life groups and things are all shifting. We want to follow these guidelines and orders that are put before us. But at the same time, as I have said before, there's going to be a time where this is the ultimate order that we listen to. This, first of all, it's not the time. The time is now. But at the same time, it says to obey the laws of the land. And so I just pray that we never have to get pushed into a position 
where we are losing all of our rights and now we have to stand up and go against orders. I pray we don't go there. People are saying, well, what time will you just ignore these orders, Brent? Well, we haven't felt as a leadership to do that yet. But so help me if they shut this whole thing, shut all the churches down and everything else. Hmm. Follow us privately and see what we might be doing privately. <laughs> Key three was doing everything as to the Lord. Everything we do should be as to the Lord. And so when we're not acting godly or Christ-like, we need to be aware of that. And I don't always act Christ-like, but for years I've always cried out to the Lord, Lord, give me a check in my spirit when I start to go down the attitude of not acting like you. And many times that check is my wife mm, giving me a little nudge. I'm on key four, knowing and following the will of God for our lives. This is how we learn to live victorious Christian lifestyles. We're made for a God-given purpose. We're made for a God-given destiny, which begins when we come to Jesus Christ. We receive Jesus Christ as our Lord, Lord and Savior, automatically a door opens into the God-given purpose and destiny that God knew before the foundations of the earth were laid, and he, he literally sanctified you, as Jeremiah 1.5 says, for that service. So when we receive Christ as our living Lord and Savior, an instant shift happens, a door starts to open, and many times that door swings widely open. And faith levels are high. How many of you know new believers and they're like, I'm ready to conquer everything. And then they come to the religious groups. Oh, you've only known him for a week. You can't do that. And I'm like, stop it. When your five-year-old kid says, Daddy, I want to be the Prime Minister of Canada. Wonderful. That's a... That's actually a super honorable perspective. Believe me, I would love to have some of our young Bible-believing sons and daughters becoming prime ministers. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. This is Paul speaking, and he wrote, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. We are are his workmanship. That word workmanship is poema. It means a product, literally a fabric that is made. We are his product. We are his fabric that he has woven together. He has made us into a product, a fabric, a workmanship. That's how we have to see ourselves. And you know what? If you're part of a fabric and you're in the family of God, then you're part of that fabric. You might be one of the threads that brings a beautiful color that no other thread has. But that's how we have to be living lives, interwoven and, and woven together to bring beauty, to bring strength as Jesus Christ is the creator, the master, weaver, the workmanship of God. 
Created in Christ Jesus. Why? For good works so we can do good things. It's so important, you know, in, in that word works, it, it, it's, it's ergon. Uh, a lot of it is, it, the primary roots of it are abs- actually an obsolete word from epio, ergo and ergon, to work. It means an occupation, labor, doing good, an occupation. And so when we look at this, we, for we are his workmanship, we are his fabric, we are what he has put together, created in Jesus Christ. And we're created, so, so we literally are an occupation within his kingdom, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. When we know and follow the will of God, we live a life of great purpose and meaning. I guarantee you, the more we will follow the will of God in our lives, the greater your life and the greater your purpose will become. There's great famous people. You don't have to. If you want fame and fortune, it doesn't have to be with God. Many people, men and women, have fame and fortune outside of God. I think uh, Sean Connery just passed away. Great actor, fame and fortune. But where did he go now? Fame and fortune just for a moment? Or fame and fortune that builds a kingdom and a mansion in his kingdom? John chapter 10, 10. John 10, 10, it says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. What does the thief come for? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. You see, when you look at that from a spiritual perspective, not a physical mindset, I'm going to interpret just slightly and put a few things in here. The devil does not come except to steal away your free will, to steal away the power and authority that you have in Jesus' name. He is a stealer of your authority if you let him. And he knows that when he takes and steals that free will from you, that you have chosen to give that free will to him, he knows uh, that you become powerless on your own. He's not dumb. But you see, he knows that if you lose that intimacy with God, if you lose that relationship like Adam and Eve did, you actually die spiritually. That's why, he, that's why it says, uh, he does not come except to steal, to kill, and then to destroy. You think it would be steal, destroy, and kill. But he knows very clearly as, as, as the verse is saying here, that whatever we let that enemy into in our life, he is a thief, a stealer, and it will kill us. It will kill us. And if it kills us supernaturally, if it kills us in the power and the authority of the king in our lives, in, our, in the name of Jesus in us, if it kills that, we will be destroyed. I have come that they may have life 
and that they may have it more abundantly. If you don't feel you have abundant life right now, then find out where that thief is stealing and killing your abundance. Find out. Right now, I bet if, if you felt like you weren't having abundant life, there is something that has been opened in your heart, in your mind, where the thief has come in and is stealing and destroying the abundant life from you. He's stealing and killing that abundancy, and it will destroy you. And I feel like the Lord is saying, this November 1st, it is not a time to let the thief come in, that we are to slam those doors so shut, and we're not to put one deadbolt in, we're supposed to put... 50 deadbolts in, every different key, every different key. And I'm talking about seven keys of different deadbolts right now. So you and I can have life more abundantly. When we know and follow the will of God, we will also experience God's continual blessing and favor upon our life. How many of us want to feel a continual favor and blessing in our life? Put your hand up. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19 to 20. Isaiah chapter 1, starting in verse 19. If you are willing and obedient, is it a question or a statement? It's a question. Because who does the statement rely on? It rely, the statement relies on God. God makes a statement. Obedience will be rewarded. If you're obedient with him, this is what you receive. But this is not a statement, it's a question to you and I on whether or not we're willing to receive. You see, the receiving is already given from God, but the receiver, you and I, haven't stepped into that level of obedience possibly to not to be able to receive the fullness of what the, the giver has given us to receive. If you are willing, how many are willing? And obedient, I won't ask that question. Most people are willing to receive blessing, but not as many are willing to be obedient for it because obedience has to be a lifestyle. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. It means whatever you do, when you, when you work the land, when you do your job, whatever you, you go forth in doing, it will prosper you. Verse 20, but if you refuse and rebel, to refuse obedience is actually rebelling. When you are obedient to God, you are in a, 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 a revival state. When you lose the obedience to God, you are in a revival state to the enemy, but you are now a rebeller from God. When you live a revival state with God, you are rebelling from the sin. Well, guess what? I'm a rebeller. I rebel against the devil all the time because he doesn't have that power and authority. He's not my master. And if we get stuck in the concept of old theology that, 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 that you know, we're just doom and gloom, we're dirty, wretched sinners, I want to tell you what. Do not be a dirty, wretched sinner. Be a son saved by grace. Be a daughter of the king, filled with the presence of the kingdom. 
Verse 20 again, but if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. That's not an option. That's the reality. If you are willing and obedient, you serve him, you love him, your obedience is in him. You shall eat the good of the land. You shall eat the blessings of this world, the blessings of the land. You will eat the blessings of the kingdom, the world of the kingdom. You will eat the blessings. You will live in the blessings if you are obedient to him. But if you're not and you refuse that obedience, rebel. When we know and follow the will of God, we will see doors open that no man can close. I have had so many people in the, in, in, in the past, uh, as, as obedience, Sharon and I are walking in obedience in our lives, uh, uh, quitting our jobs because God had told us to go into ministry in that obedience of walking forth. I have watched doors that looked impossible to open. I have watched them swing open. I have also had men and women try to shut our doors, and God says, uh-uh, nope, nope, we're going to keep that door open. For Brent and Sharon. Revelation 3, verse 7 and 8. Revelation, start, verse three, Revelation chapter 3, starting in verse 7. And to the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, These things says, He who is holy, he who is true. We're talking about obedience here. He who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your work. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. For you have little strength, have kept my word and have not denied my name. No one will shut this door. There is no order, there is no government that will shut this door. <laughs> Psalms 24 talks about we are everlasting doors. Swing wide, oh everlasting gates. Oh everlasting doors. Open up for crying out loud. Don't shut them. Open yourself up, oh everlasting doors. In the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit by the word of God. Swing wide, oh heavenly gates. This is not the time to shut your doors. When we know and follow the will of God, we will see our life bearing much fruit and much eternal fruit. When we bear fruit on earth, it becomes eternal fruit in heaven. John chapter 15, verse 16. John 15, 16. You did not choose me. This is Jesus speaking. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you. So let's just look at this in context. You did not choose me, says Jesus. We always think, oh, it's my choice to choose them. No, no, he chose you already. It's your choice to step into the choosing of him. So your free will, yes, you were created with that. But he has already chosen you. God has chosen you. He has purposed you. He has sanctified you for a purpose. In 2020, November 1st, he has sanctified. He knew what was happening, and he chose you to be a part of this. Not to shut your door, but to swing wide open gates. You did not choose me, but I choose you. I chose you. 
Oh, I'm going to turn it back. Thus saith the Lord, I choose you and appointed you that you should go and bear much fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. This is all part back to the lifestyle of that obedient living, that, that if we choose him, he has chosen us, we step into his choosing us. It's, it's, like, it's like when I went to my wife over 32 and a half years ago, and, and I took her out to the revolving restaurant. It used to be called the Sears Tower in Vancouver. Remember that? It's now called On Top of Vancouver or something like that. And from there, we had a nice dinner together. And from there, I drove out to Stanley Park and had it all planned out. There's a little bench up on, on, uh, on, uh, like up on the, the park area where there's this little restaurant in the cliff. And we had this little bench, and we sat. No one was in it, and we sat down. And I got on my hands and knees. Actually, I had given her a diamond stud when we were dating. I figured I'm a stud. No, I'm just kidding. I gave her a little diamond stud earring. Do you know what I'm saying? And she had accidentally lost it, and she felt terrible about it. I did too. It cost a lot of money. And I said, Sharon, do you remember? We're sitting down together arm in arm. Do you remember that diamond stud I gave you there some, like what, some months ago? Yeah, I feel so bad about it. Man, I'm so sorry I lost it. Well, that's okay because I have some other diamonds for you. And would you marry me? See, I chose her. Or did she choose me? Jesus has already opened the ring up to you and me. She just stepped into my choosing. But when we got married, that choosing became one where we both have chosen it together equally. Me as a husband, she as a wife. I feel Jesus is saying, and like Chris had said earlier, it's time to get on our knees. Maybe he's on his knee right now. Maybe he's on his knee right now saying, will you choose me? I've chosen you already. I've chosen you. When we know and follow the will of God, we will preach the gospel. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a verbalizing evangelist. When you truly know Jesus, you will be a preacher of the gospel. Your lifestyle, your decisions, your attitude, you will be a preacher of the gospel. When we know and follow the will of God, we will encourage other Christians to become all that God has planned for their life. You see, as believers, as we know God in intimately in our own lives, we, we start to encourage the people around us to be all that they are called to be, to be. You know what? Man, you are so called for God's purpose. We become encouragers and exhorters, which is the first stages of prophecy. To encourage and to exhort. Prophesy to the people. Encourage and exhort them. When we know and follow the will of God in our life, it will help us use our time wisely. We will actually become more efficient with our time 
And because we become more efficient with our time, it will lead us into making wise decisions in our life. That's what starts to shift and change as we learn to follow God's will in our life more. You will start to have a supernatural energy come over you. You will start to have a greater understanding. Your mind will get clearer. You don't need, uh, what is it, predigen or some things. You don't, it's like we just need more of God and there's a clarity that starts to happen. We will have peace and joy in our hearts even during our trials in life. How do we know that we're living a victorious lifestyle? Is when a trial comes your way that you don't live in the power of the trial, but you live in the power of the victor to overcome every trial. Oh, it's, we all get sad, absolutely. There's some trials that come along, but you know what? Some trials that happen in my life, I'm like, seriously, devil? Like, that's, that's it? Like, that's pretty major, but that's pretty dumb. Seriously, you're going to try to depress me, devil, by that trial? Are you kidding me? You're a nutcase. I have the joy of the Lord in me, and he's my strength, not your useless trial, devil. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to 17. This is Paul speaking in Ephesians 5, verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. <laughs> How do we apply that in a time of this? Well, when the Lord laid on my heart to touch each person with the Bible, the thought that was first thoughts that started coming into my mind was doubt and should I do this in the middle of a pandemic or not? That's a pathetic thought pattern that I'm going to weigh the voice of God speaking to me by the pandemic? Are we kidding me? Oh, Mr. Devil, what a foolish thought. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools. You can correlate fool with fear. Not as fools, not in fear. But as wise men and women of God. And when we walk with the wisdom of victorious living, look at verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. But in the evil days, we get to actually redeem the time. In other words, evil can't steal it anymore because of Jesus Christ. We are redeeming the time in Jesus' name. Verse 17, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Victorious Christian living. Jesus didn't die on the cross and rise again. So we walk around, oh no, what a bad life. Oh, just so painful. Oh, you know what? If you got pain, walk right out of it in Jesus' name. 
Don't let it hinder you. Don't let it become a lifestyle. I understand pain. I'm 56 years old, and I understand that I just can't do what I used to do. Sometimes I try to do what my kids do in skiing, and, and I have pain the next day. But I don't go, oh, I should have never. I wished I never went skiing with my kids. No, I go, oh, I'm going to rise up. Oh, I'm going to rise up. Yeah. Oh, I got the joy of the Lord because I had to spend family time on the ski mountain in the beautiful British Columbia mountains. We live anointed and fulfilled when we live a victorious Christian lifestyle. When we understand the plan and the purpose more and more day by day in our life, the anointing and the power of His presence and His glory just starts to come and invade us. And some people, they might get so scared. Oh no, oh no, oh no, no more power, no more anointing. I want to tell you what, when we receive that anointing power, fresh every moment, fresh every day. (sighs) No, no, no. Breathe His presence. Breathe His glory. John chapter 4, verse 34. And Jesus said to them, My food (laughs) is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. My food, says Jesus, my food is to do the will of my Father and to do His work on this earth. I look around, and some of us don't need any more physical food. Christmas is coming. New Year's is coming. More, what are they, New Year resolutions again. I think the greatest New Year's resolution is weight loss. The least one ever done. I'm just kidding. But you see, Jesus isn't talking about physical food. He's talking about the spiritual food. And he says, my food is to do the will of my Father, him who sent me, and to finish his work. I tell you what. If we live a lifestyle that we know that, the, that our food is by being obedient to His will. <sighs> Matthew 6, verse 31 to 34. Matthew 6, verse 31. Therefore, do not worry. This is Jesus speaking. Maybe He knew something about this season and time. Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things that many people worry about. Seek first the kingdom of God and all, and his righteousness and all these other things shall be added, shall be given, shall be increased to you. 
Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Second repeat. Whenever there's a second repeat in the scriptures, it's, an ab- it's like you better listen. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble, but do not worry about it. Let's all stand. So, Father God, I pray that our hearts and our minds are open to the truth of your word to help us learn each day how to live a more victorious lifestyle. Because, oh, Father God, you have destined us. You have have destined, you have known us, you have sanctified us, and you sent your one and only Son, Jesus Christ, onto this earth to die and to rise again so we as believers could live a victorious lifestyle. And I ask Anybody who's watching who does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior or not sure about it, then come talk to us right after this service or email us if you're watching online because we want to tell you about the love of Jesus and what he died and rose again for in you. saw these walls expand out. And ones like flaming fire came in, entered into this place. Where two or more gathered in his name, he is with us. He's with us, Jesus with us right now. Father God, Holy Spirit is with us right now because there's more than two or three in this room gathered in His name.